that's what we called this, this Sunday, was Above and Beyond Sunday. And Above and Beyond is where we look at the things we have and we, th- we, 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 we have to take a different eye and take a different look. This, week, this month, I challenge you to ask God, God, what do you want me to give above and beyond what I normally give? And I don't want a number. I didn't want to set a bar. I didn't want to set anything in precedence of, of saying we need $5,000 for carpet. I know Brother Kenny did. I didn't feel that in my heart. I felt that we just needed to ask and ask that you be faithful to reach out to God and say, God, what do you want me to do and go above and beyond? But it was more than that. You see, above and beyond is a stance that we can take when we look at God and we say, God, I love you more than I'd ever have and I want to go above and beyond where I'm at today. Above and beyond is growth. Above and beyond is, is depth. It's, it's so much more that we can get into. I mean, I could only imagine my life if I hadn't gone above and beyond in so many different directions. I know I've shared this before, but we got some new people in the church that's not heard this. I can remember back when I was in a youth and God said, give $450 to this one girl's youth trip to go to Europe. And I said, God, I don't got $450. I got $350. He says, write the check for $450. I said, okay, I'll write the check, Lord, for $450. But you're going to have to make sure it doesn't bounce because I'm going to be uncertain. And he says, just turn it in and let them know that you'll have the money the rest of the way in there soon enough. So I turned the check into the person that I needed to. And then lo and behold, I got a check two days later for $100 to cover that. I said, well, I got that, but Lord, I still need food. And, I, and, and so I started asking God to go above and beyond what I needed. And after the check had cleared and I, a couple more days later, Lord, use the IRS, the devil, you know what I'm talking about, to send me a check for $450, the exact money I had to send out, and I was just praising God for it. It's growth. It's, 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 an, it's a desire to say, God, you are above and beyond my expectations. And God is asking for the, us to have the same mentality when we look into our lives and our relationship with him, and we say, God, I don't want to stay where I'm at any longer. I want to go above and beyond. I want to grow up in something. And that's what we're challenged to do in all of our lives. That's what we're challenged to do in this journey that we're all running this race of. We can't stay stagnant any longer. See, I've been studying the church for the time that God said I needed to be in ministry. And when I studied the church, I can remember reading about great, mighty movements of the Holy Spirit. How one man would lead a revival for 90 days and he'd transform and and over 2,000 people would get saved in that revival. And then all of a sudden it would start staggering off and people would be like, where is God? What is God not doing? Why is that not happening? And I always find myself asking, God, what is it that makes that to happen? And then I open up my word and if you don't know anything about me, I'm a history buff. I'm also a puzzle nerd, so Sudoku puzzles, they're my jam. My wife looks at me and goes, how do you complete that? I say, I don't know, it just makes sense. God wired me different. Can, can, I, can you just say, tell your neighbor, say, God wired me different than you. You need to look at each other and tell each other that because somebody next to you, whether you realize it, husband, you are wired differently than your, your wife, and the wife is differently wired than her husband. Come on. We're all uniquely gifted in these But it's in the uniquely giftedness that God exposes truths. 
You see, God wired me to deal with puzzles, so what am I doing? I'm researching puzzles. I'm looking at how the Bible says that we have great mighty moves of God, and then, then, then it goes up and down and up and down. And what I found in it, that was there was a, a, cautious, or a, a, a caution, or not a caution, I can't even think of the word, a, a, a reason. The, the, the thing that caused so much of the struggle that they had. And a lot of it was because we would get great and mighty things like David would go and slay a giant. Everybody would get excited. they start winning the battles and then they'd be like, okay, we're just kind of going through it all. It's kind of like, sorry, Sister Phyllis, last night's football game. At 21 on the first quarter, I was like, this game's over with. Uh, I'd love to watch it, but I'm really tired, so I'm going to go ahead and go to bed. I know, Ohio State buff, I know, but I was tired. Five daughters all week long, wears you out, right? Come on, no. In all reality, I was just worn out just because it was raining and all that other stuff. But, but it comes in the same journey in our lives where we get so just normalized by what we see in the miraculous that we take it for granted. And that's where we need to think about how can we go above and beyond? How can we get greater than where we are at without losing steam? See, I truly believe that the great revival started because one man became so hungry for God that it became a, a, a catalyst that people were like, okay, what is going on in his life? How can we get that one thing? And, and it's that catalyst that the church needs yet again because we have gone, become so stagnant in our beliefs in many ways. I know I challenge people, old and young, to think about the Bible differently than they'd ever thought about it because that's what God says to do. We are supposed to question our faith. We are supposed to ask God to expose the truth in His Word to us so that it becomes truly alive within us that we can have a little bit more boldness in our lives. And as we look at the word this morning, just go to the first slide there, Yetta, this morning. And it says, my brethren, let me tell you right now, those words are not ones I ever like to hear. It's like having my wife say, honey, I need to talk to you. You know, if you get that kind of word from your wife or even your, your, your husband, you know it's not going to be a good conversation. Honey, I need to talk to you. What is this in the checkbook? I don't know. No, no. Honey, I need to talk to you. Uh, okay. You know you got to take attention. You know you might get a little defensive. You know you might have an issue or a struggle when you hear those words. And when James uses the words, my brethren, he's perking your ears up to hear what he has to say. So he says, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord of glory with partiality. It's that one sentence that messes me up a lot of the times. Because I could take it and I could stop halfway through and it says, do not hold on to the Lord Jesus Christ in your faith. And I'm like, okay, I guess I don't have to. No. If you read it in all context. And what, what James is really saying is that there is a stagnation that can happen within an early church movement if we allow it to. It's like our faith when we're growing up. It can get stagnant so easily if we just lose the ball. Kind of like that Michigan guy yesterday. I've got to quit talking about football, Brother Steve, so just tell me to hold back on it a little bit because I know I might get in a little trouble here. But we cannot get half into it. We cannot become so 
partialized with what we think church is and how it should function in every which way. Let me tell you, as a pastor, I'm looking at the church saying, how can we do something different that it will edify the bodies and wake them wake up a little bit more? I'm always questioning, what can I do in the pulpit? If, if I have to get up here and put a weight bench up here and start lifting weights for you guys to connect with it, I would do it, right? Do you want to see me do calisthenics and start doing a Richard Simmons routine on here? Brother Steve's like, yes. Sister Phyllis is like, no. Let me tell you right now, I'm going to tell you, you do not want to see that ever. <laughs> but when we get into the meat of it, we have to think about what we're trying to get through. What is the end game? The end game is always going to be Jesus. The end game is always going to be when we get to heaven and we get to exalt and praise God. The end game is always going to be that thing that we have to hold on to, that we know that, that he died on the cross and he purchased our, 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 our salvation and, and cast apart our sins off of us so they would not be held against us anymore if we call him Lord and, 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 and everything in us. But James is trying to tell us that we cannot have a partiality with our focus of our faith. We can't have faith saying, okay, God, I trust you with my, with my life, but I won't trust you with my bank account. We can't have faith where it says, God, I trust you with, with, with my hope of, of today, but I don't trust you with my tomorrow. We can't have a partiality saying, God, I trust you with my wife, but I don't trust you with my kids. You see, there's not going to be a partiality at all in our, in our faith that we have to hold on to. We have to have the whole picture put into our minds and trusting him with everything we have. I see the time and I know how much notes I have and I still got a lot to go. But go ahead and put the next slide up there yet and just follow along with me. But James continues on, he says, For if we should come... Into your assembly a man of gold with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come a poor man in fine clothes. You shall pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, Come sit in the good place. And you look at the poor man and say to him, You stand over there or you sit at this footstool. Have you not shown a partiality among yourselves and become a judge with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom and the promise of those who love him? Lord, touch this word. Let me take it apart the way you need it to be said, Lord, and touch my words and let them be things that edify your, your people. Lord, let them hear it with itchy ears, Lord, that they will understand that there's more depth in their relationship with you and what you've called us to live through. That we have to dig deeper, Lord, that we can grow higher that we have to get down into the roots of the problem, Lord, and, and fix them, Lord, so that we can stand strong and mighty in all that we deal with. Lord, I praise you for this message in Jesus' name. And the church said, you see, James is telling the church it's time to have a little bit better partiality, which is nothing. I've come into churches where I've told you before where they've said that we want this people. We want that people. If you don't mix with that, we don't want you here. And when I heard those words inside a church, as I'm looking at it, I'm going, have you not read the Bible? 
Have you not seen the word as it exposes the truth that you are being a little bit more on a fine line than you think you are? You think you're holier than thou? You think that you're all that in a bag of chips? You think that you have it all put together, but you're realizing that you're lost. I had one youth kid say, I don't want this person to come in because I just don't like them. I'm going to be honest with you. You know what that did? That made me just want to go out and find that one kid that he said he didn't like, and I went over and said, hey, why don't you come to church? Because there's a truth within it. You see, the, the, the heart and the message of everything that we as a church are standing for is to be vessels that transmit the gospel to those that need to hear it. But the church has gotten stagnant. Let me just be honest with you. I've seen a lot of churches go, and I only want the young people in this church. We're going to have the up-and-coming hip music, and we're going to have all this great stuff, and we're going to have all the youth events, and we're going to meet the need. But when they meet that need, what do they do? They're rejecting a whole bunch of other people that could bring a whole great picture to the word, to the truth, to the, to the body that they need to have. And then you've got other churches that are like, okay, we're all old. We just want to have old people here. I'm not, if you're old, I'm sorry. I'm old too. I'm 40. <laughs> but we're like, we, we don't want that young stuff. We don't want the rap music. We don't want any of that. And, and if it doesn't go with our flavor, we don't want them here. And then you got the other people who are like, well, we're, we're only this kind of way, or we're the only that kind of way. But what I'm trying to get you to understand and think about is that church is meant to be a broad spectrum of everything. The only difference is we call truth what is truth, and we call sin what is sin, and we tell you that you're supposed to cast that sin at the door and start walking into the new nature of what God is trying to ask us to do and start walking into hope and get away from the fleshly things. And it's in that message and that hope that we as a church need to get a little bit deeper into it. We need to get a little bit more hungry within it. We need to start understanding that there's a depth within the relationship that God is calling us to have with other people that we can have growth. But that is always going to come through a thing called honor. Honor. It's respect. It's a, it's a thing that comes through it all. And that's something that the world is losing sight of and so quickly. See, we're called to honor those who God calls us to honor. There's some parts of Scripture that says you're supposed to honor everybody, respect everybody, love everybody, do all these different things. But then there's other aspects like in the Ten Commandments where it says, honor thy father and thy mother. And then scripture goes on, it says, honor thy father and mother. If you do so, you'll have long life. And I'm like, okay, God, if I would have known that a while ago, I might have had a longer life. Maybe you hit 200 years old. I don't know. I'm 40 years old. I still don't even know how long I got left to go. I'm just going through this storm and going through this life and knowing that somehow I made it to 40 and I still survived. You've made it to how long and you're still surviving? But what I'm trying to get at is we're supposed to honor who God sets in place to honor. And in a world that's so dysfunctional, we don't even understand those aspects. We put a partiality on, on, on our relationship and our faith with God when we say, God, I, I'll come to church, but I'm not going to talk to so-and-so because I don't like them. God, I, I'm going to come to to one Sunday a month because that's all I can tolerate those people with. 
man, I got somebody laughing in here about that. But it's truth. And it's a hardness in our hearts that has to get removed from us. The Bible says he'll remove the heart of, of stone and put a heart of flesh in us if we'll allow him to. If we'll allow him to transform our thinkings and our understandings. And that's going to come through the aspect of honor. You see, honor is a thing that God demands of us in this life. And when James is exposing this in this truth, as he says, we have to show honor, but you're always putting honor in the wrong place. See, we have to honor people in their current positions. Not looking for the person that's got a million dollars to come in and say, okay, I want you to get the best of the best of the best of the best. No, it's about coming in and all realizing that we're all messed up, torn apart every which way, and that we just need love of Christ in our lives. And we don't care your background. We don't care what you're walking into or what you're walking through. But we want to walk you to somebody. It's in that honor that we are doing that. We're respecting them in their positions. But there's also honor that has to go beyond like I said, the Bible says to honor our parents. It's not always easy to honor our parents if they're good or they're bad. Sometimes we just don't agree with it. I know my kids struggle with honoring me. Like this week, I had to keep telling them about a thousand times, go clean your room. I finally looked at Julia because I was studying this. I was like, Julia, do you think you've honored daddy with your disobedience? And her answer was no. I said, how can you fix that? I don't know. The wisdom of a 10-year-old. Come on. But it's truth. We walk through those journeys. We walk in it. And when God says, go do this, I don't want to. Why don't you do it? I don't know. And we go through those moments. But it's the truth because what God is trying to set forth is a precedence that we need to hold on to. That there is so much more if we would just understand the small parts of what God is trying to expose in us to allow us to grow into something even more mighty. Another thing that God tells us to honor, let me scroll down here, is the government. Let me tell you right now, in a world so torn apart by politics, it's so hard to honor that. But in Romans 13 and 1 says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. There are no authorities except which God has established, and all authorities that exist have been established by God. It's a scary thought to say. Because as Christians, as, as, as followers of God, we're like, well, God's only going to let us have good stuff, right? No, he never says that. God says he works all things together for the good of those who love and pursue after, who, or, who are loved and called and to pursue after his purposes. That means there's going to be bad stuff that God sets up. Can you imagine the world where, where, where all of Israel is doing all the wicked stuff and he never sends Nebuchadnezzar? God sent Nebuchadnezzar, the guy that, that came in and destroyed all of Jerusalem and, and took away uh, the three Hebrew boys and, and David or Daniel and sent them off and, and, and all these different things. And they're looking around going, where's God? And God's saying, I want you to honor the authorities that you set into place. And we see that truth exposed in the word through Daniel's life. Daniel, if you've ever read the Bible, if you open up the book of Daniel, you find in the early chapters, it talks about his adventures through the, the life and the chaoticness of his authority-honoring position. 
He was called and told, hey, I want you to go and get ready. We're going to try to set you into a place of honor because you, we figure you're wise. So they go and tell him, you've got to go do this, you've got to go do this. And he says, I, I'll do whatever you ask, but I, let me just do one thing. I've got to honor God with everything I have. Let me just not eat your food. Let me go eat the vegetables in it and let me see what God wants to do. He was honoring God and honoring the authorities within it and he got, he got blessed through it. He was able to learn greater than this to it. And even through his whole life, through all the different kings that would come up, that he would go through, he would honor everything. But there was one thing he would never bow down to, which was when they told him to bow down to their own gods. And he said, no, I will only serve the one and only true God. But I'll honor the authority because it's established by God. We live in a world where we're like either thinking blue or red. We're living in a world that thinks that we have to have it all together and we have to set things in the perfect place so that all good will come through all red. Did I really just say that? But it's truth. As Christians, we always think that all good is going to come through all red. But in all reality, I truly believe that all authority needs to be respected and honored. I pray for our president every single day that God would move upon his life and God would restore wisdom into his mind and that God would move upon him and lead his hands and feet to move through this country to bring a great awakening yet again in our nation that we would see God be exalted. I was U.S. Army. I know we have other servicemen. I'm sorry. I, will, I would protect and die for this country, but I'd rather see this country on fire for God. any day. I will always pray for our congressmen. I will always pray for our, our, our other uh, leaders within all the authority of the governments, the local, the state, the everything, and ask that God move. And what God is trying to tell us today is that it's time to start taking the blinders off and start putting on a truth that when God said, give Caesar unto Caesar what is Caesar's and give God what is God's, he's telling us that we have to honor the authority that is set forth by God. With no partiality. I'm only going to pray for you if you have a, a Republican label on you. No. I'm going to pray for everybody. Because I want to see God move through all people. I can tell you right now, God can move through a donkey if he chooses to. It told us in the Bible he did. But he can move through whatever vessel he wants to if we will just respect the authority that's set apart for it. And then finally, we're supposed to call to be able to honor our leaders. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. Also, those who have, will have to give account because it is a greater measurement upon their lives. The truth is, we live in a society where we live as the masters of our own little kingdoms, right? I tell my wife she's my queen, and she tells me that I'm her king. Not really. She just looks at me and says, just give me money. Babe, when you watch this, I love you. I'm just playing. But we all live with the idea that the United States is set up where we get to rule our own ideas, right? But there are authorities set up that we don't even realize. There's leadership that's set up within our lives that we have to respect and honor. And it's a hardship because there are bad leaders in this world. 
I've walked around where I had to work for people and I had to say, yes, whatever you say to do, I'll do it. I'll respect that. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll show honor in it with no partiality because I'm respecting that your authority is set by God in these moments and in these places. I might not like what you do. There's only one thing that I will never do and that's deny my God in anything aspect of everything that you ask me to do, but I'll be obedient. It's in that, that honoring of God that we can see a truth come through it all. It's where we get into the meat of, of, of every aspect of where we're trying to go. You see, as a leader of the church, I know that I have to honor those that are above me and respect them, even if I don't agree with the directions they choose to go into. But I still follow because I trust God's got a plan on my life than I ever, ever understand. And God's got a plan on your life. I see the clock and I know how much notes I got left and I see the clock and I'm torn. But what I struggle with, can I just be real with you? I struggle sometimes in my own flesh with that partiality. Do you? You ever have that, to- that pull in your body where it says, you need to just go and tell that person off and da-da-da-da-da-da-da and just, just make them feel so belittled that they have no value and all this other stuff? And then you got the other side saying, you just need to show them grace. And I'm like, God, I like the other one better. I'm just being honest here. There are some days I just want to go tell some people off. And I tell Melissa, I want to go tell them off. And she's like, honey, what would Jesus do? I said, stop. And then I remember they had the bracelets and all that stuff back when I was getting into Christianity and all that stuff. And I was following God. I was like, okay, what is this? And then they came out with the bracelet and it says he would love first. And I'm like, Lord, I have to show wholehearted grace, not a partial grace to all. See, that's what James is talking about. That's what he's alluding to. And I'm going to leave my notes where they're at. And we're just going to finish the service up. But that's where I feel that God is trying to get this church to wake up to. I've seen a church that loves people authentically here. You walk in the door, it's almost like you become family. It's a, it's a rarity within a church. But there's always something else, a contention within the church that still needs to be stamped out. Sometimes that's in our hearts that we got to just say, I got to get rid of this crap out of my life. Sorry, I got to get rid of this stuff out of my life so it's not something that's going to be a hindrance of anything that's going on. You see, that's where we go through this journey. James is telling us that we can't have a partiality. It's not about what people look like when they come into the door but what we want them to look like on the way out. Can I say that again? I want everybody to come into the church. I don't care what lifestyle they choose to walk into. They're welcome. I don't care if they just got done drinking the night before. Come in. I don't care if you still smoke cigarettes about two packs a day. Get your butt in the church. I don't care if you're strung over on, on marijuana. Get in the church. I don't care about that stuff. What I want to see is the God who called all of this creation into place and waiting for us to come together with the realization that there could be more that comes through this little church if we would allow it to, if we would get rid of the partialities in our hearts and our minds and start saying, God, I want to see people delivered. 
Let me tell you right now, I told you, I, I used to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. And it was at a, a, a Christian uh, encounter event that I went to that all of a sudden I walked out of that thing and I couldn't even deal with actually smoking the cigarettes. God can do that in a moment if we would allow him to, if we come to him wholeheartedly and not partially. We cannot be divided anymore. We cannot be so, so, so indifferent with our ideas and think that we have it all together when God is trying to say there's got to be depth within you. Depth where roots can grow through that they can hold strong with whatever comes through to this world because there's going to be storms, there's going to be trials, there's going to be issues that's going on and we're going to have to say, God, give me grace to get through it all so I can see a truth come through. I'm so tired of an indifferent church where we look at it and we say, God, I only want to honor who I want to honor. And God is trying to tell you it's about who he says to honor. If you'll stand with me this morning. I got through one point out of six. So if you haven't been here before, I might have to start doing night services just to get through my sermons. Can I get an amen? If I, did two, if I did two services, would you all come? Give me a share of hands here. I want to see what, we're going to pull the church. I got about half. Man, this is a divided church. I don't know what to do about this. <laughs> I'm going to end up probably doing something here soon. We'll see what the Lord decides to do as he moves them out of my heart here. But I don't know where you're at today. I wish I had a keyboardist up here and all that stuff, or I could do it. You're a good chip. Just stay down there. Have the music play and set the atmosphere and all these things, but you know what? That's not even required. That's never been required. The worship is always going to be the thing that beats within our heart. When we, when we finally take down the, the, the armor that we've been holding on to, start tearing down the walls that the enemy's been trying to put on our hearts and trying to tell you that if you only go one way, you're good. If you only go this way, you're good. But if you go that way, you're bad. And when God is trying to tell you that there's got to be a wholeheartedness in all of your being that says, God, I don't care what walks into the room. I don't care what I'm dealing with. I'm still going to serve you. It's in those moments that we can gain, gain traction. And start growing above and beyond where we are today. Above and beyond was never about the money. It was always about the heart's inclination of being saying, oh God, I, I treasure you more than me. It's in those moments that we have to go. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know who's in this room this morning. I don't know if it's you online this morning. But it, you've been dealing with something and it's been causing such a rift within your soul and your spirit. If that's you this morning and you want to ask God to come in and restore a wholeheartedness in your life, raise your hand this morning. We're going to pray with you. I see one. Anybody else this morning? Anybody else this morning? If it's you online this morning, just let us know what it is. If you raised your hand, if you feel comfortable, come up to the altar this morning. All of you that want to come up to the altar, we're going to pray with you. We want to pray that God moves and restores that which the enemy wants to cause an indifference. It's time this morning to say, God, I love you more than you ever understand, and I surrender it all to you. What about those that have just been thinking that they're good? It's time for us to start asking God, God, am I really all that? Or do I need to humble myself even more? Let's pray this morning real quick, and then I'm going to pray with those on the altar this morning. Father God, Lord, I thank you for today.
Lord, I thank you for your heart. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth that says that we are all sinners, all broken, all needing your grace to come down upon our lives and to restore that which the enemy wants to just just diminish, Lord. But Lord, it's time for us to realize that you didn't call us junk. You didn't call us perfect. You called us good. But it's in that good that we need to pursue after your good and perfect will for our lives to bring the perfection, Lord. Lord, you called us to be a holy people, a peculiar people, people called by your name. So God, right now, I just ask that you just move upon our hearts and our minds. Jesus, move upon our hearts and our minds and restore the thing that the enemy wants to divide. Because the enemy knows that if he can divide one, he can divide a lot more. But Lord, all you want to say is today that you are the God that brings complete healing and restoration upon our lives. Touch us, Lord, today. Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we give you the glory today as you just bring us to where you need us to go. Lord, we need you today. More than words could ever mention it, Lord, we need you. Because we need to be held in your hands, Lord. Lord, as the song says, even when I wake up and even when I lay my head down, I will praise of the goodness of God. Lord, our hearts need to have that inclination as the solid, solid rock that which we stand on. Where we're not looking left or right, looking for what we think is good, but where we measure it out to what you say is good. Lord, I just ask that you just move upon us all as we get ready to go home today, Lord. Or those that are at home, just move upon us, Lord, and give us peace. Give us strength and give us wisdom and understanding, Lord, to hear your perfect will for our lives. So we can know how to honor which you called us to honor. How we can understand that we were broken and we needed to find you to even receive honor. But God, just show us in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I love you all. Thankful you guys stand around and listen to me speak all the time. And I look forward to seeing you guys all this week and hopefully if the Lord tarries next Sunday. Hopefully we'll get some new carpet here soon too, so that'll make it even better. But that being said, we love you all. Go and be the church because the church is here. Oh, yes, Miss Jeanette. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I also got reminded that uh, we have a ton of grapes and other vegetables, cabbage, carrots in the uh, kitchen and in the fellowship hall. Go and grab all that you want because otherwise it's going to have to go to the dumpster. 
We, we love you all. We'll look forward to seeing you guys next week. Go and be the church to those that, that are all around you. In Jesus' name, amen.